Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for professionals. We work to simplify your finances so you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. Welcome to the show. On today's show, we're going to be talking about promise-based assets versus market-based assets, what they, those two things are, and why you should have them inside of your financial plan. So let's dive right into it here, Alex. Let's talk about what are we talking about in terms of promise-based assets versus market-based assets? Sure. So let's start by defining each one of these things, Ryan. Uh, promise-based assets are assets that don't depend upon the opinion of somebody else. They are rock solid. We know what the value is because the value is based on a promise, whether it is uh, the promise of the federal government, the promise of a financial organization. There is a promise oftentimes in writing as to what the account value is and will be. Uh, an example of this is with your bank. You don't have to guess as to what the value of your bank account is. You know what the value of your bank account is. A dollar does not change in the bank. Yeah, some other forms could be. Yeah, and you know, for our uh, for our listeners, they tend not to have this just yet. But another form could be some form of an annuity where it has some guarantees built inside of it, either from an income standpoint or from a growth standpoint, as well as if you listen to some of our our other episodes, permanent life insurance has some aspects inside of that. Life insurance first from the insurance side, but also uh, the the permanent life insurance aspect also has the cash value aspect that has some guarantees built inside of that, depending on which company you go through. If you still have a pension, that would also fall into the category of of a promise-based asset because it's usually being set forth by uh, a formula as to what the what, what the benefit is going to be. Exactly. So, you know, the opinion it, it does it's not based on the opinion of someone else because because it has those guarantees that's written in the contract language. So, what would market-based assets do? Market-based this assets going to be. The exact opposite. It is where something is based upon the opinion of somebody else, and we can talk about like how that works and whatnot. But anything that is market based, whether it's stock market based, real estate market based, bond market based, all of those have market in the name. And the reason for a market is we're trying to determine the fair market value of an asset whether it's your business, whether it's somebody else's business, whether it's a piece of real estate, whatever it is, it's based on the opinion of others. Essentially that those type of assets typically you can lose you can actually lose what the asset's worth. Like it can go down in value because someone else's opinion of it maybe made it go down. Supply and demand type of asset. 
Yeah, and it's usually not the opinion of one other person. It's the opinion of a collective or a whole bunch of other people that, that would make it go down. <laughs> uh, I've got some pretty big pull out there. I don't know about you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, there are maybe a half a dozen people that could by themselves make something go down. Fair, fair. So that's what we mean by promise-based versus market-based. Why should you care? So let's, let's start talking about that. And we're going we're gonna to have you care. Let's start talking from the standpoint of your future self. Right? As we get closer and closer to retirement, most people we talk to, not everybody, but most, won't like having all of their money tied in a market-based asset, especially an aggressive market-based asset, where they're reliant upon that asset turning that into income for them. Yeah, it's because if their assets go down, that might mean their income will go down. And I don't know about you, I kind of want the same lifestyle and income that I'm accustomed to in retirement. Yeah, I mean, this is the the entire reason that there is a field of retirement income planning is because it is really challenging to create a systematic and consistent income or cash flow from an asset that is inherently not consistent and has volatility associated with it. Regardless of what that asset is, if it is market-based, then it's going to be challenging to create a consistent and systematic income from it. Doesn't mean it can't be done. Doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't have you know, that we should have no assets in promise or in market-based assets at retirement. Now, it's almost silly not to have at least some of our assets in market-based investments. And at the same time, the closer and closer that we get to using money for whatever purpose, we're going to want more and more and more of it to be promise-based. Now, and if we think about it at its basic level, like let's just say like we've got two assets. We've got uh, a bank account, and we've got a 401k. Well, when we talk about retirement assets, we want those retirement assets to be in the 401k for folks that are, you know, in their 30s and 40s and whatnot. And we want to have assets that are in the checking account to be able to do things like pay the mortgage and send the kids to college and go to vacation and all of the the cash flow needs. We don't want to try and have that that reserve sitting in our 401k. It's not going to work well. So what's interesting about this conversation already, I'm, even I started thinking about, well, I, I hear what you're saying, Ryan and Alex, but I would rather have the opportunity at rate of return. And so how much money should be sitting in market-based assets? Because, oh, I'm sorry, how much money should be sitting in promise-based assets compared to market-based assets? Because I don't want my money laying around not doing anything for me. And we've had a whole episode talking about how to leverage your savings account because the more safety, right, the more guarantees that we have in life, what does that allow you to do with the market-based assets when we go when we look at taking on more risk with the opportunity of higher rate of return? 
Yeah, that safety and security inside of the promise-based asset allows us to be more aggressive with our market-based assets. Um, and it, that's a really good question, Ryan, of, hey, how much should be in a promise-based asset for, for a 30-year-old or a 25-year-old or a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old or really any age? And what we find is that it really has to be a continuum. The, the older that we are, the more our assets are going to shift towards those promise-based accounts. And at the same time, there's another component of how aggressive or conservative are we. And when we start talking and trying to dig into this discussion around promise-based versus market-based, oftentimes Americans think in exactly this scenario that I laid out, which is bank account and 401k and it's the short term and the long term and there's a gap in between those assets there's a massive yeah. gap we have this conversation oftentimes and it's really with it doesn't matter what age demographic the person's sitting at right but it's the short term versus long term if we're sitting down talking to someone in their 30s well, the short term is for today or maybe tomorrow. And the long term is maybe for 30 plus years from now. So and that's think just about before, it from that that's before we even get to the point of distributing the assets. <laughs> exactly. What can happen in 30 plus years in someone's life where they might not need the money now or tomorrow, but they want, might want the money 10 years from now but they don't want it sitting. They and they so they needed to have some safety with access to that money, right? So think about that. Like I just think back to myself when I was in my thirties. I was married. I had already had a child, actually two children. So I started thinking about how am I going to make sure I've got enough money sitting around for just the cost of children and buying diapers, right? The thought of buying a new house. The thought of buying a new car, the thought of maybe looking at uh, buying a new investment property, the thought of maybe, maybe I should start thinking about how I'm going to fund my kid's education. <laughs> Those are all things that are happening. Or, sorry, I'm going to throw this out there. Or if some pandemic happens in the year 2020. <laughs> right? Like all of these things are out there, yet we sit down and we very rarely come across people that have something else outside of that short-term savings account and that long-term 401k retirement accounts. Yeah. And oftentimes those that, that do have something outside of it, it, it mirrors one or the other. Yep. Like, awesome. We've got a stock portfolio that's not in a retirement account, so we can get access to it prior to age 59 and a half. Awesome. Well, how's it invested? Oh, it's invested exactly like my 401k. Okay. What happens if when we want to access that account, the market's down 20, 30, 40, 50%. What then? And, and so there has to be this hybrid structure where we have more promise-based assets than just the dollars that are sitting in our bank account. And we also have to 
go ahead and get a better rate of return. We have to get some advantages above and beyond having it just sit in a bank account. So it's, we almost need to create this hybrid, uh, hybrid structure where we have some assets that are that that share qualities of promise-based and market-based, where we have some growth opportunity and at the same time some advantages without sacrificing liquidity without sacrificing safety yeah so we're talking about having some sort of midterm bucket so having a third bucket of money inside of your plan and i'm going to go back to i i read this the other day and i forget who said it but we, we talk about managing risk Right, like you and I, like that's kind of our job when we're talking about investing portfolios with a client is so you're talking about them about their risk tolerance. And don't get me started on the true risk tolerance of people because until you go through a pandemic or until you go through different things in life, you really don't know what your tolerance is. But that being said, this person said you can manage risk or risk is going to manage you meaning you just kind of left it up in the air to if risk occurs how it affects you so alex talks alex and i both talk about controlling what you can control when we have these promise-based assets and market-based assets we're not trying to say one or the other it's both but when you have those type of assets you're managing the risk which allows you that flexibility and possibly, depending on how you set yourself up, the opportunity maybe to take other risks in life to get more income, to maybe get more return. That's really what we're trying to push here in today's message around, we understand you might be in your 30s or maybe in your early 40s and you're thinking, I don't need to worry about guarantees in my portfolio because I don't, I've got a long time until I retire. We're not talking about retirement. We're talking about what's going to happen five years from now that maybe you want that money that you can leverage to, to make your life that much more. Well, and in addition to that, Ryan, do we want to, at some future point, five years from retirement, 10 years from retirement, at retirement, flip a switch and have a whole bunch of our assets instantly move from market-based to promise-based? No, of course not. And yet so many people think that way of like, oh, hey, I am I now need to flip a switch and become more conservative. That in and of itself is inefficient. Like we talk about being efficient with our money. Think about how, how inefficient that is. If you decided to do that and flip that switch, April of 2020, what did that just do? You just added Market a down. ton of risk in the in terms of the timing of it. Right. The whole point of this exercise is to take risk off the table. And by doing it in that one foul swoop move, you're adding risk. It, it is self-defeating. And so what we want to do is we want to have it be systematic. We want this shift to occur slowly over time. 
And what's the best way to accomplish something slowly over time? Well, it's to give ourselves as long of a ramp as possible and start the shift early. So when we're in our 30s or 40s, are we going to need the promise-based assets tomorrow? Probably not. If we did, they should already have been sitting there. But if we're working towards some sort of goal, whether that's college planning, upgrading our home, buying our first home, buying an investment property, whatever the whatever the target is, not only do we have that as our target, but we also need to start thinking about how much of our assets do we want to have in promise-based assets as opposed to market-based assets when we get to retirement. And so that'll help reduce down the volatility that we experience as we approach retirement and make it much more systematic, make it much more predictable as far as what's going on and, and how we're going to be able to, to stop working, stop earning a paycheck and have our assets create that paycheck for us. At least have the choice to do that, right? The mm -hmm. flexibility that we always talk about. The point of today's episode is to have you, A, consider the difference between, or maybe understand, let's start there, be aware of promise-based assets versus market-based assets. And then secondly, why you should consider having that difference, that midterm bucket now, even if you're in your 30s, compared to when you get closer to retirement. So. I think with all of that being said, Mr. Collins, we've got a question of the day for everybody. We do. The question of the day is what promise-based assets or what assets do you have that are not based on somebody else's opinion do you have? So feel Make free sure you to- Make you head beardmoney.net. And at the bottom of that page is a place for you to answer that question. So. You just answer, just say question of the day in the subject line and answer that question. For those of you who have been responding for the last 60 plus episodes, thank you for those, all those responses and even the, the um, suggestions we are getting from you all. As you can tell, we are putting this into the podcast. So thank you for doing that. If you got any value out of this, please make sure you share it uh, with people that you know. Uh, and our growth in this podcast has been amazing in the one year we've been doing it. We look forward to keep pushing this information out and to be a major resource for you all. So thank you for that. And as always, Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. All guarantees and promises mentioned herein 
are dependent solely upon the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Real estate and closely held businesses that are not securities products do not trade on exchanges and may not be correlated to any securities market movements. These market segments may be illiquid and have risks that are unrelated to securities markets. Investing in the bond markets is subject to risks, including market, interest rate, issuer, credit, inflation, risk, and liquidity risk. The value of most bonds and bond strategies are impacted by changes in interest rates. Bond investments may be worth more or less than the original cost when redeemed. Income from municipal bonds is exempt from federal tax, but may be subject to state and local taxes, and at times the alternative minimum tax. High yield, lower rated securities involve greater risk than higher rated securities. Portfolios that invest in them may be subject to greater levels of credit and liquidity risk than portfolios that do not. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-11-0653, expiration October 2022.